0: Welcome to the Mobile Dev Memo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Sufert. My guests today are Mauer Sadra and Peter Hamilton. Mauer is a returning guest, having previously participated in the second most listened episode ever back in July. Maurer is also the CEO of Incremental, a startup building an incrementality solution for mobile advertising. Full disclosure, the MDM syndicate invested into Incremental. And Maurer was also previously the CEO of AppLift, the mobile advertising network. Peter Hamilton was, until very recently, the CEO of Toon, the mobile measurement company. Toon launched one of the first advertising attribution platforms for mobile, which had sold to Branch in late 2018, and the broader Toon business was acquired by Constellation in the summer of 2019. Peter and Maurer are both experienced and well-respected ad tech executives, and I wanted to talk to them about the future of mobile attribution. In this episode, we discuss Applovin's acquisition of Adjust, whether fingerprinting will work once ATT goes into effect on iOS, and the nature of ad fraud. We recorded this session in early February, but I was unable to edit the file until recently because of the weather emergency in Austin, Texas, where I live. I was also forced to cut a significant amount of the conversation as a bad connection caused a great deal of distortion. I hope you enjoy the episode anyway. Thanks for listening, and I present you with Maurer Sadra and Peter Hamilton. Peter, Maurer, nice to be with you guys today. How are you doing?
1: Good, good. Thanks for having us. I'm doing pretty good.
0: Thanks, Eric. Um, Maurer is uh, kind of a returning champion to the podcast, but Peter, you are uh, you're you're a new uh, new fighter here. I was just I, rem- I was trying to think the other day when the first time we met was, and I think it was um, at like Slush 2012. We went to go get a coffee.
1: That's probably true. Yeah, uh, I miss uh, going to things like Slush.
0: Yeah, An amazing well, especially, show. I, I miss slush a lot, but that was kind of, that was before slush was slush. That was like, it was at the much smaller, um, kind of, it was, like, it was like an cool. event
1: center. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, I, I, so I could, I could tell you how, how much smaller slush was that year. I spoke at that slush. So, you know, now it's like, you know, the, the <laughs> king of, you know, it's like royalty, uh, and, you know, prime ministers and stuff that could just speak there. Um, so we have a lot to talk about today uh i think when i when we sort of organized this it was just sort of like broad you know sort of like themes that we wanted to discuss and and now we i think we've got kind of a tentpole sort of uh, topic here uh you know as a current event uh with with that being the the adjust acquisition uh by app which just happened what two, two, three days ago um which is pretty, pretty relevant. And then also, um, you know, for all of us, uh, but also kind of, I think a pretty monumental, uh, moment, um, could, could, could potentially, I think cattle, you know, it could be the sort of, uh, start of, you know, what we end up recognizing as like this MA spree, um, that was kind of catalyzed by the IDFA stuff. So, uh, I think uh, it's a really good place to start the conversation.
2: Yeah. So I think, first of all, this was long coming. I just hired a, the CFO, like two years ago, if you look at these backgrounds, this guy's like all about selling companies. So I think they were kind of looking for an exit angle for a while. Now, uh, I'm on the one hand, I'm in, like, of course, slightly surprised uh, about this deal by like, you know, a network buying an attribution player. If we could even consider Uplovin still as a network, but. I think if one thing I learned about AppLavin, they always make moves that no one really could have predicted. Also how they're going to like unfold. Um, you know, a lot of talk is about like Adjust will not be independent anymore. And uh, like many of their customers will leave them. I think the reality is same as AppLavin as Line Studios. And you don't really see companies stopping to advertise on Uplavin, maybe just a few. Same goes for Adjust. So now Applavin has basically completed stack. Like I uh, did a visual diagram of their stack. It's it's a Google and it's a Facebook. I, I have no idea what's their uh, like revenue run rate these days, but I'm assuming it's way past 1 billion probably across the board. And if not, if not, maybe 1 billion revenues uh, when it comes to Nvidia, they're probably at half a billion, 700K, 700 um, um, million, which again, it's like, it, like either they take it like public themselves or they just continue this phenomenal growth with more acquisition, giving them an edge. Um, like, I don't think that necessarily it's like, we're not gonna see maybe tomorrow Iron Source making a bid for Apps Flyer, but maybe a year from now we will um, see like similar consolidation.
1: I have... A- I have a lot of thoughts about this <laughs> as well. You know, um, for those of you that don't know, I was the former CEO of Tune, and, uh, you know, we were early in this MMP space. So it feels a little bit like playing from the sidelines here, watching this play out. I'm really excited for for everybody involved, to be honest. Um, You know, Adam Pierogi, uh, is is just a really, really thoughtful, smart leader. And... Uh-huh you know, you, you look at how things have played out for Apple and, and it's not unlike the story of many of us in this industry. You know, maybe we started out, you know, uh, uh, maybe, you know, first party working for a brand or, or you know, maybe in an agency. And and then maybe we, you know, got into ads and maybe built a network. and And then we realized we needed some better technology, we kind of started to move on into that direction and build build uh, eventually maybe a SaaS platform, <laughs> you know, uh, and then building the data components around it and then you know, building a stack. And, you know, it, it's just uh, in the ads ecosystem, most people get their start in ads. And uh, and eventually it just starts to evolve and starts to mature and grow. and. And I think uh, that's what we've seen with App11, and yeah, it's not a, a just a network anymore whatsoever. I mean, it's a, it's a platform play, you know, and it makes sense that you know there would be more and more um, you know tools for developers to use on that platform. And um, you know, on the other side of this, you know, this is not just like a You know uh, tuck in another product you know addition obviously this is a major acquisition and with adjust you know we all know them to be the most financially uh sound uh organization in the in the mmp world they've they've always uh really really focused on uh you know fundamentals when it came to to their their finance and they they played things from what most outsiders think you know conservatively uh, but they also built a really big business and when you when you're thinking about you know taking a, a a major you know platform play company public um not only does this you know spread out the offering horizontally it adds to the PL. it contributes heavily to the PL, which is fantastic you know, uh, for, for taking a company public. So, so yeah, I, I think this is a, this is a really great move, you know, sort of for everyone. Um, it's great to see something, you know, uh, with a B on it, uh, anywhere in this category. It it makes me excited to to see where we're going from here.
0: Yeah. You mentioned about, um, kind of adjust leadership or sorry, uh, app loving leadership and like my kind of default Response when I hear about anything that AppLovin does is like, okay, that was the right move. Let me see if I can kind of understand it, right? Um, I mean, <laughs> let's assume, I, yeah, let's yeah, just let's let's assume, just, let's, let's, right assume, let's, assume <laughs> let's assume that was that was a, that was a I genius play. That. Yeah, right. I, I I mean, I don't I don't feel like you're gonna go wrong with that heuristic. Like, let let's assume that was a genius play. Let me see if I can kind of uh, reverse engineer the logic. Um, you know, my so I wrote an article about this. Why why did uh, Appleton buy Adjust? And I kind of laid out. Well, like here's three potential motivations, and they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. The first is just, yeah. So so maybe this was just a case of financial engineering, right? Maybe this was just a, the market has changed. If Adjust can be acquired at a certain price, uh, you know, their cash flows the the trajectory might be changing a little bit given. Um, given the idea face stuff, but if that can be sort of absorbed into the, you know, the app loving profile, which is in a growth trajectory and, and added to, like you said, added to like the top line revenue and, and to the EBIT, right. Cause you know, you mentioned the, the kind of uh, discipline there. Um, it's just, it's just pure, you know, like it's purely a creative going into the IPO, which is, you know, rumored to be happening kind of pretty imminently. Right. Um, and then the other, the other sort of, uh, Kind of potential motivator was you know well adjust gets to see all the postbacks that are going to be coming, um, you know from its clients, right from the from the from the apps that it sort of operates uh, across, and now Apple 11 gets to see those, right? And I mean that's that's not like um, I don't think that there's any kind of you know Chinese wall that needs to separate those data sets. That's just going to be a simple you know a simple a simple thing to combine. Um, and then the last is, you know, if you turn, if you if you look at AppLovin and you see AppLovin as like a kind of a superset of of businesses, right? There's a games publishing business that's big, right? There's an ad network business, and now there's an attribution business. Well, they've got basically what looks like almost a self-contained platform, a self-contained app ecosystem, right? And so if all that becomes first party, maybe there are ways. To utilize some of that data that doesn't really contravene the kind of privacy policy that Apple's pushing, because it's all first party. If Apple, if if Apple Evans game devs are first party, and its attribution systems first party, and its ad network is first party, right, and all that's operating, you know, within those boundaries, maybe none of that sort of uh, none of that um, you know f- uh, contravenes the ATT policy. So, so those are just kind of. I think the financial engineering one is interesting because you know Apple Evans president came from KKR right? So he would be, you know, an expert at doing those kind of deals. But I think the other two are kind of interesting to explore as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, um, well, I mean, in in talking about bringing the the sort of data models or knowledge together, um, certainly, I, I think there'll be some, you know, some, you know, some collaboration, maybe, right, uh, between teams, but I, I, I can't subscribe to the more conspiracy theory side of this that that somehow uh they're they're going to be you know uh, a a left and right hand operation where they're totally you know sharing everything and that you know all of a sudden you know the apple of an ad network's gonna have every network's data in it um i i think there's i think they're gonna be very disciplined about that because they need to be uh i think You know, I've, I've rung the unbiased bell as a software provider a lot, (laughs) and especially I love to see a competitor, you know, pony up or connect, you know, to, to a major, you know, ad business for that reason. Um, but as I've watched it play out in various scenarios, I, I think that, uh, there's, there's a real, there's, there's a way to really keep it separate, keep the trust of customers and, and be very thoughtful about that throughout and if anybody can do that again, I, I think it's—I think it's a just. I think it's you know that that they have a culture of that in their company. Um, you know, to be to be very scrutinous on these items. Um, and uh, and yeah, I I think it's going to be. I think it's going to remain. Uh, yeah, as you as you describe it, of more more of a Chinese wall than than we would even expect.
2: So f- from my point of view, and actually. I actually really do think differently also like knowing a little bit like AppLavin's rise of power and Adjust's rise of power. Like if you look at the AppLavin, for example, so they started as a network became a DSP. I don't know if you guys know it, but Mopub at some point forced AppLavin to make a choice between their SDK on the Mopub mediation or being a bidder on the Mopub mediation, because what AppLavin basically did is they used their DSP on, Mo- on Mopub. They figured out exactly what CPMs they need on who in order to be first on the auction. They went directly to the publisher and said, well, integrate my SDK first in remediation. This is able to guarantee these minimum CPMs. And they reached a point where using Mopub as a vehicle, they actually found the best media, the best publishers, and positioned themselves to the point where their SDK um, penetration was bigger than that of Mopub. Now, one day suddenly Uplavin, I remember this, I was uh, at uh, I was still chief revenue officer at Uplift. I got a call um, from Mark, who was chief revenue officer for Uplavin, telling me, Hey, do I want to be one of the first 10 DSPs integrating to the Uplavin SSP? Back then, from Uplift point of view, Uplavin was a demand side player. Suddenly they're a supply side player. Now I think that here again, they will probably integrate adjusted. I think that the pitch for a while will be Chinese wall. We don't touch the data in some point. I think that that will be the pitch until they won't need for that to be the pitch. And I think they always make like strategic, aggressive, smart moves. And indeed, it's kind of like what Eric said. It's like, well, let's assume that this is the right move. Now let's figure out why. Um, I think it's going to be a while between, before we actually understand the why, I don't think it's that transparent. I think it kind of makes sense. You know, they will have access to everybody's post packs, like clients, networks, platforms. And, you know, right now we're seeing like the FTC debate, Google, like, you know, separating uh, like the double click component, basically from Google, because Google is kind of, a, not kind of is a monopoly. We are seeing a monopoly rise to power, but no one's going to be able to stop it. So you're investing day one.
0: <laughs> when this lists, you're you're in there right at the debut price. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. For um, sure. Okay. I one thing I wanted to, another topic that I wanted to cover here because I think it's um, you know it's it's something that I feel like is not settled science, um, and maybe uh, you know. Maybe getting you guys' insight would be helpful uh, in, in terms of contributing to the discussion. So uh, fingerprinting post-ATT, right? So Apple been super clear on that, right? I mean, if you go to their data and privacy FAQ, it you know, it, they couldn't be more clear. It says, you know, can I fingerprint? No. Um, now, what I'm hearing from, you know, a number of different ad tech companies is like, well, okay, we're not going to fingerprint, but we are going to probabilistically attribute um, and that'll be fine uh, because we're using data that you know is not the IDFA, and 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 data that you know there's a sort of a, a legitimate use case for in any app, and so and so therefore um, you know it's it's not it's not it's not even really going to be detectable, right? And this is not like public stuff that people put on their websites, but that's the kind of general sentiment I'm getting. My sense is that fingerprinting is just not going to fly; that that you won't be able to do it. Um, first of all, if you're my, well, okay. I I would like to hear everyone else's opinion first before, before I, uh, you know, kind of expand on that. But my sense here is that just fingerprinting is not going to fly. It's not going to work.
1: Yeah. So I would say it's not going to fly. What do you, what do you mean?
0: I mean, well, first of all, I just don't think it'll be performant enough to even be worthwhile to do. Um, I feel (laughs) like if you're, if you're going to invest time and energy into making something work, it's probably not probabilistic attribution is probably just. Um, being really good at parsing out signal from the SK network postbacks and the conversion values there. Just, that just feels like a safer place to invest time and energy. Um, but I also just don't think, I think Apple is going to come down on this. I think Apple is going to is going to be on the lookout for this. They're going to know kind of which SDKs are, you know, serving that purpose. Um, and they're going to be kind of very cautious around um, allowing apps to, you know, to to sort of even collect that information, access that information with no obvious for no obvious reason, um, if it could be used for fingerprinting.
2: So look, every marketer I speak with, and obviously like, you know, what, what we're doing at incremental is, is not attribution at all, but, um, we are speaking about like, about the area of how are you planning and so on from what I'm seeing, so SK network, yeah, it's not great, but it's, uh, you know, it's, Deterministic last touch attribution aggregate level. Um, from what I'm seeing right now, everybody's reaction to this is they're just gonna use it, they're just gonna use it through their current attribution solution, assuming that some of the users will opt in for IDFA sharing, and then they will have, you know, there will be a use case for the attribution company to to actually handle the attribution. And when it comes to SKA network they're gonna rely on the attribution solution, like the MMPs to handle the conversion value. But almost every advertiser I'm speaking with a marketer, they are planning uh, when the noise kind of like um, calms down to use SKN network directly. Now, I think that like fingerprinting doesn't really have a a place. simply because you're not gonna be able to really get the data. And I don't think any serious marketer is gonna jeopardize their app getting kicked out uh, because of breaching Apple's terms and conditions. Now, probabilistic is different. Now, again, if you're gonna try to do probabilistic tracking or matching between uh, inventory, like click impression and, um, and conversions, you're gonna have a bad time. And if you are willing to pay for this or based on this, you're gonna have a terrible time. Um, I don't think really like fingerprinting as we knew it, trying to actually identify a single user and matching and paying a CPI uh, based on that, uh, like if anyone's doing that, that's a big mistake. That leaves a, a huge window of opportunity for fraudsters. Um, plus, that's like massively jeopardizing your app to get kicked out of the app store. Like Apple was, as you said, very, very explicit about this. I think if some of the MMPs or SDKs try to do that, they're gonna either get the SDK eventually kicked out, um, or like the next 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 version of iOS will not even have the allow screen. Will just be off.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, fingerprinting has always been problematic. Uh, we saw that for sure at at Tune over the years. Um, you know, it was always sort of used as a supplement uh, to to help uh, improve you know across the board numbers so that we can you know, try to have a little bit more of a holistic picture of what's going on, because we already know that there's there's already a certain amount of opt-out, you know, from IDFA. And, you know, for it to become, you know, the front row <laughs> tracking methodology certainly makes, you know, very little sense. And I agree with you, Eric, that, you know, honestly, over time, if, if anything that looks like that it looks like a, a workaround that's not really a part of the platform offering, you know, from from Google or Apple, uh, is going to be phased out. You know, there's 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 going to be you know continued scrutiny on those things, and I think we're going to see. Well, what I would like to see, let's say, <laughs> is a move back toward understanding first party data really well uh, from the advertiser side, and first party data starting to inform our decisions about how we think about our customers and what our customers look like and, and, uh, and that we might start to get the knobs and dials back into our control as an advertiser, uh, on, on the ad platforms. You know, you've seen everything move, uh, toward machine learning, uh, on, you know, if you're buying a, on, on Google and other platforms and uh, you know because they know better than you do what your what your customers look like and I think you might see a shift back to advertisers knowing you know who, what their customers look like and making the decisions about how to target and how to focus uh, their advertising on an audience that third party um, so I don't know I, I get excited about that idea uh, of, of you know sort of the the machine learning maybe, you know, starting to be more focused on the first party side.
0: Yeah, I was um, I was having a conversation with a client yesterday. And I mean, that was kind of the exact point I was making, which was, look, you know, you basically were uh, outsourcing all of this like audience development and audience exploration work to Facebook, right? And you just won't be able to do that anymore. You're going to have to actually know who your audience is. Um, and there's like a sort of second order component to that, which is you got to build products for that, for an audience. Right. Um, and it's like a lot of that, a lot of that, um, effort was, was just abstracted away. You just made something and Facebook will find the most relevant, you know, most profitable users for that. Something right now it's like, well, okay, we actually have to think about what we're going to make and think about the audience that exists for that thing. Right. And then almost, you know, the, the product becomes, you know, the, the marketing, it's actually product marketing, like really doing marketing as opposed to just making whatever you want, pushing it out and Facebook like saturating the the TAM for that. Right. And I mean, that's like the D to C sector is going to feel some pain here because you look at some of this D to C stuff. And I mean, it's like, I get the ads for these products and it's like, there might, I don't know who the hell else they're targeting. That was like almost purpose-built for me. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, how do they find enough people to buy this stuff? Like, I don't know. It's just like stuff that was like, so, um, so narrowly defined in the product sense, but you knew that Facebook will find every single relevant user for that, that it can pay. Um, So no, I totally agree, Peter. It's like, it's going to change. I mean, it's not, this isn't just like an advertising shift, right? Like this isn't like, you know, a sort of superficial change in the way that you use an ad tool. This is going to like percolate down into the products that you build and like who you and understanding who you build them for would really inform the decision to build them in the first place.
2: But again, like advertisers can still use IDFV and share those with vendors, correct?
1: So yeah, but
2: actually, re- so they can rely on on their first-party data and share it with external. They can, the only thing they can't do is can't, use it for- You
1: can't match it to anything, of course.
2: Right. You can't use it basically to track um, customers outside your app but you can create right. se- segments. And again, you need to do better. Of course, like when it comes to advertising product, yeah, that becomes a major like headache and how to and where, and you actually need to think like a marketer, like, you know, where are my audience uh, going? And you need to think a bit more contextually and you need to um, like use heuristics and you need to test stuff. And it's not going to be like, you know, you just put a budget, a goal on Facebook and it works. And you have no idea how it works and why it works and you cannot recreate it i think it will of course give a lot of opportunity to niche media players it will of course give a lot of opportunities to fraud uh, like always but uh yeah i think uh, we're, we're gonna see some interesting uh first party like tech startups um i've already heard of some you know some building it on the blockchain and some just building it on device and I called it a reverse DMP because you're not sending your data out, but you're kind of like keeping it on device and you have a product, like a third party product, helping you digest this on device data so that you can actually make some sense of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you you bring up an interesting point that perhaps, uh, you know, the, the third parties could also build technology to go investigate about, you know, the advertiser's customers and then try to help them make the determination about, you know, how the knobs and dials should be turned. But that also means, man, you're going to be giving a lot of information on that third party for them to be able to to do that kind of work. And, and ultimately, yeah, it seems like there's more of an opportunity for technology builders and product builders to create things for advertisers to understand that first party audience and and go in the opposite direction.
0: I mean, I just feel like, you know, this is going to open. I mean, this is like, a, you know, if you think about this, as like a tectonic moment, then there's just whole categories of, you can call it ad tech, call it whatever. Call it, uh, audience, uh, development tech is just going to whole new categories that sort of evolve or, or not evolve, but, um, that emerged from this. Uh, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting time, I think. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's, it's, uh, that if, if, if a company was sort of like just dependent almost completely on, you know, Facebook's, um, you know, Facebook's sophistication with doing this sort of like audience segment to creative, to, to product matching with like that kind of precision and that kind of like, um, you know, user sort of behavioral knowledge, then it's kind of their bad, right? Like you, you, if you're sort of, if you're, if you've built a company with that kind of dependency where like, you know, this is a pretty big platform change. Right. But, um, if your company wasn't really durable enough to sort of make it past this, it's like, well, yeah, maybe you sh- maybe, maybe, maybe you were, you were sort of like, you had the blinders on, um, and maybe, maybe that was a mistake. Right. I mean, you're always like, it's, it's, you know, if you read any sort of like, you know, VCs uh twitter feed or vc's medium post they're always talking about like oh you know you never build a company with a total platform dependency it's like well if you're if you're if you if you were building a, co- a company that was 100 dependent on me being able to just push some budget and some ad creatives onto facebook and making money that 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 should have felt kind of tenuous always
2: yeah but I, as you know i, I was doing a roundtable with paul bowen a couple of days ago and he said something that i loved it's like the house always wins If you build your business on top of someone else's platform well this is kind of what you could expect now you know it it suddenly like hit me a thought that i don't know if we really like invest any thinking about but like we're pretty much talking in absolute terms but this is currently an ios tectonic change android at least for now no change of course i expect eventually something similar to happen but what limits like the platforms take facebook here using the android audience to understand what works and then building basically within the facebook ecosystem a look alike only for ios users for the same point so means that while there is a tectonic change you still have a massive other like plate That has absolutely no change. And at least for now, there is still a window of opportunity for platforms to utilize that data. Well, only basically for like if you're big enough, like Facebook, Google, and have enormous first party data of both operating systems so they could use that data to compensate.
1: That's true. I mean, there, there's always, uh, you know, stopgaps and things that we use in these transition times, you know, uh, and like, it's, you know, we talked about fingerprinting earlier, there's going to be lots of fingerprinting used, <laughs> you know, for a little while here. Um, but I think we're all probably of the shared mind that, you know, eventually the the plates will shift on that side as well. And that this is this is sort of a movement of of consumer privacy that's going on. And it's probably not even going to stop here. Um, so, so yeah, regardless of what, you know, Facebook might be able to do in the meantime, uh, they've, they've gotta be planning for the eventuality. Uh,
0: I've, I've got a question that's related, but, but, uh, but also kind of like a separate, uh, separate direction. You know, I, I'd always, you know, going to the, the, you know, the advertising conferences and stuff, there'd always be like the, the fraud detection companies and, and, you know, the, some of the mmp's talking you know given the fraud presentation they'd be like you know these fraudsters they're always one step ahead they're always out they're out to get you and they're one step ahead like who are these people you know what i mean like you, you know we heard about the the people that were running like the fake news uh companies you know the, it was like a couple people based out of like an apartment in, in montenegro running like these clickbait you know pro-trump articles uh during during the first uh or during during uh, uh trump's original uh run and it was, you know, just people just trying to make a buck on that. And But, you know, it was pretty easy to understand that, that ecosystem, right? If I make a very clickable uh, uh, headline, people are going to click on it and I make money on the ads that I show. But how do people even understand, like, who are these people running the ad fraud schemes? Are they like former advertisers who understand the ecosystem really well? Like, if these people have been found out and caught, right, like, do, is there any profile of who they are? Like, former ad tech company people who just sort of like broke bad and created, you know, you know, created these sort of like uh, these dark enterprises where they just defrauded people and and they just
2: know the, the ecosystem really well. The, the, so in AppLift, unfortunately, I had a lot of cases of fraud disputes and in retrospect, I understood that some of the publishers in parentheses or the ad tech companies we worked with were just a fraud operation. And this, is, this was not individuals, this was companies this was companies where sometimes the employees knew exactly what they're doing and the i would say the values of this company was we are making money we are making a lot of money and some of these are really really smart people who either were working for an advertiser or working for an attribution provider or working for a network they kind of knew how this system of tracking worked and then instead of spending their time, how could we build value for others? It was how do we build value for ourselves? And I would say somewhere like the, it's a value question. It's a culture question, but they are like the people, they're just like us. You know, they're smart people who have their heads on their shoulders, but just decide, you know, it's easy. I'm going to do it.
1: Yeah. I, I, the only thing I would add to that is uh, generally they're not longtime time veterans. Um, they're, they're early in their careers uh, and they've, they've figured out a few loopholes that they can exploit and they just press on the gas um, and they don't really think about what's going to happen to them when, when the gig is up. Um, and I, and I think there's, you know, we saw that, you know, in the, in the burgeonings of affiliate marketing, right. And, and, Saw how you know fraud played out there, and and you know early early mobile fraud and yeah you know pre pre apps you know uh, uh, SMS fraud and those kinds of things. Um, it's it's like you know it's uh, honestly I think there's a lot there's there's quite a few young people that come into this industry and find find a place where they can exploit and, and maybe you know a group of people that are talking about it in the forums and you know. Are, are exchanging information about how to do this, and then they're trying it out and they're just going for it. I honestly don't think the profile is that much different than, you know, people that are are going after, you know, pattern day trading right now <laughs> and just trying to yeah. figure out what can they exploit, you know, and how can this work, um, you know. So it's yeah, it's it's uh it's interesting. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, how 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 we really necessarily prevent that from happening. I think anytime there's there's an economy you know, built on on rails like this, there's gonna be people trying to exploit it.
2: Yeah, but like, if you look at it, there was, you know, just recently um, an article about Mintegral, a very known SDK integrated with a lot of publishers. It's a a public traded company in Hong Kong and their own SDK had um, malicious components to it contributing to fraud. And you've seen the same with Cheetah Mobile. I think it was like three or four years ago. It's, again, a publicly listed company who had SDKs that were doing click injection, like basically triggering a click when the user is about to finish an install. And uh, they were both a huge publisher to some of the biggest SSPs. They were also operating their own ad sales. So, you know, this was not just a small time, like, Fraud operation. I'm gonna make ten bucks on the side. This was a multi-million-dollar operation generating cash and actually even taking its company public.
1: Well, yeah, and there are also the enablers of those those people that are earlier in their careers doing those things. <laughs> so, uh, and yeah, you, they are just as culpable for sure.
0: Mauer I might uh, I might edit out this last section where you accuse these companies of fraud but uh it wasn't me BuzzFeed okay um so let's uh I, so we're kind of we're out of time um Peter Mauer really fantastic conversation I enjoyed uh, speaking to you guys today uh where where can we find you where can we where can we follow you Mauer where where can people uh, learn more about you learn more about your company
2: so LinkedIn, of course, Maorsadra or Incremental. And on Twitter, I'm Orsa.
1: And okay. I'm just uh, having a great time uh, helping out startups right now. So uh, if uh, you've got something you want me to uh, look at or uh, to talk about, I'd love to. Uh, best place is to find me on LinkedIn. I'm actually pretty good at responding to LinkedIn. Uh, so just hit me up there and uh, love to chat.
0: Peter, Maurer, have a great weekend, and thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you. Thanks, guys. This is awesome.